Today we have Denise Martin in studio. Denise is probably best known in the world of performance analysis, but she also brings a wealth of coaching experience to the table. In this episode, we talk about how any coach can bring elements of analysis into their coaching process, the importance of feedback and how it's delivered, and facilitating an environment that encourages and empowers players. Loads of learning from Denise, not just about analysis, but all things coaching. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. This week, we have Denise Martin, one of the leading performance analysts in the country. Denise, you're very welcome. Thank you. So you started as a teacher, you have loads of experience in coaching, but I suppose um, my big question is for you at the moment, what is the role of, a, of performance analysis in sport? I suppose the role of performance analysis, um, the key thing is analysis is key to coaching. If you're not analyzing, if you're not observing, if you're not critical, you know, with a critical eye to see what is going well and how can you fix anything? So are you really coaching or are you just babysitting? So that's the fundamental thing that analysis is one of the key building blocks of a coach. Um, and it's one of the key things in your armory. Um, so every coach needs to develop their observation skills and their skills to be able to put together, um, I suppose, a critical analysis of what it is that's going well, whether it's, you know, why is your team two points down or why is this kid not able to, to put together, um, you know, a pickup and strike um, or whatever it happens to be. If you need to be able to, first of all, observe that, figure out what it is that they need to fix. And actually, then the, the hardest part is to figure out how to feed that back. Um, so that's the critical thing for, for every coach is being able to articulate your message and not necessarily to, to tell their player or your team what they're doing wrong, but how, how to help them on their journey to figure it out for themselves. But if you don't know what the answer is, then you can't help anybody figure it out for themselves. So that is the critical thing, I suppose, from a, um, every coach should be an analyst. If you're not an analyst, you're babysitting. Um, some coaches are lucky enough to have um, that backup of having an analyst with them. Um, who will take off because I suppose no coach can um, see everything. You know, there's a great quote from Brian Cody who talks about, you know, the, uh, you know, I have never met yet the person who saw it all in the match. You don't. You can never take that in. Now, the expert coaches will take in a lot more. So if you listen to Joe Smith or you listen to Jim Gavin, they would talk about a particular incident out in, you know, in the second half on the right-hand side, and they will be able to pinpoint exactly, or Smith can take you through each play. But that's an expert coach. So um, they, but they're still not remembering it all. And that is why Joe Smith is an analyst. That's why Jim Gavin has an analyst team. You know, when you look at Limerick last year, winning their All-Ireland, they had, I think it was the count of seven got thanked from, um, from, from the Hogan stand, you know, very ably led by Sean O'Donnell. So, you know, the very best coaches have an, anal an analyst to help them, but every coach must be able to observe to critically boil down to what the key points are and to feedback. Uh, and that's what performance analysis, I suppose, as a discipline, helps you put a process on that. It puts a system behind it and it puts a structure on it to help you get ideally um, information that is that is unbiased and, and so on. Okay, you've mentioned loads of things there. That, 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 uh, <laughs> that No, this is fantastic. You mentioned loads of things that we've talked about before and we love on this show. So you talked about individual skills mm -hmm. and, and uh, being able to break that down and feedback and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Can you give us an example of how that would work in practice, maybe in terms of how can you, let's say we we'll start with individual skills. Mm -hmm. So how can the analyst, uh, you say the analyst as a coach, but how can we use that? How can that help in, in terms of a coaching point of view? 
Well, if you're looking from an ind- from a skill point of view, probably the nicest way to do it, obviously, if you without video, you you as a coach, you're using your coach's eye. If you have video, so something for example like an app like Huddle Technique, which is a free app, um, that you can just video somebody. Um, you can have a look again that if you needed to figure out well what is it you know like sometimes for kids they're dropping the ball from the wrong hand or they're dropping you know what 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 is it that they're doing and then you can help the 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 child maybe figure out or or it doesn't have to be a child you know some you know a very skilled athlete but um so looking just simply at a video can help you trying to figure out or, or help the athlete ideally figure out what it is that they can do better to do that and often as well showing them somebody doing it um who who can execute it properly and in terms of doing that actually the research would say that you should be showing them somebody of the same gender so if you're trying to show a girl how to do you know a pickup on a strike you should be showing them you know a Neve Kilkenny or you should be showing them somebody who's that gender um and ideally somebody of the same skill level you know so Neve Kilkenny with the under sixes is probably not going to work but um but yeah so we learn by by copying and by mimicking so that that can be really really useful so if we can see you know here's here's this player doing it here's you doing it what what do you what do you think and if the player can get to the point where they can figure out oh gosh if I did this that would help then you're on to a winner there so that would be the technical side of things you know um it's the same with strength and conditioning you know for example if you're looking what what's ideal for squat versus you know what what are you doing and you know that's why we put mirrors into gyms that's why we do all of those things so um what we're I suppose the whole process of analysis is trying to put a mirror up for people to reflect back what they're doing so they can see it they can figure out what they're doing well and how to fix it because it's much much more effective if it's coming from them because you can tell people a hundred times oh you should do this you should do that doesn't work they need to figure out oh okay you know you need to call them clear uh leinster ga has a fantastic phrase you know about the light bulb moment you need to let the light bulb go off uh, and create those light bulb moments and they're really really important and that's sometimes what a video can do that no, no amount of talking can do you know, or a, a bit of photograph or a picture or whatever it happens to be. That's really interesting. Uh, and I love the way that you brought it back to like the five or six year old and, and looking at someone doing it themselves, that modeling sort of technique. Mm-hmm. In terms of then the more elite end, do it does the same, does the video have the same impact? Or do people get sort of too tired of videos or do, do some engage more or how do you deal with that? It's a total spectrum. And okay. again, you're looking, I suppose, um, Pat Daly would be a big fan of the biopsychosocial um, and, and y- you have to look at that. Where is this person in their own development as, you know, are you somebody on a senior intercounty panel who could be 19? Um, so the, where they are personally in terms of their personal development, their motor development's maybe not finished yet. There's quite a bit to go there in terms of where they can go. Um, but socially, what can they do? And then you have a 35-year-old who's trying to hold his body together maybe to play for another year. He has two small children at home and he needs to get home. So the feedback for that athlete is going to be very different from the feedback to the 19-year-old that's maybe at college and has hours to spend doing something, you know, of, of looking at trying to get their, their way um, to spend on video. And they are mad to do it. Um, and again, I suppose the response from a group is how you sell it as well. And to get, you know, as an analyst, I suppose the, the big thing going into any group is to figure out who your power brokers are within the group and to get them on site. And that's through, you know, one of, I suppose the first things I would have done with any group was motivational stuff. Lovely clips of them being fantastic to music. Um, it probably doesn't really make much of an impact on performance, but it creates buy-in. 
and people are people everybody loves to see themselves being brilliant uh you know and doing really lovely stuff and music is very very powerful so as an analyst from a starting point with a new team that's a really sort of the low-hanging fruit a really nice win and it's a really easy way to get people bought in to say that this is something positive this is not you know this is something we're going to use uh, as a powerful tool to learn as opposed to being ah here now we're going to show you what we've done wrong you know that sort of thing that's uh i think that you, you talked about there you could have the 35 year old trying to hold his body together and mm-hmm. then the 18 year old maybe not quite there physically mm-hmm. so when you're dealing in a team dynamic it must be very difficult to have to try and cater for those various needs mm. in terms of the form of feedback that you're given. Well, that's why you can, you know one size does not fit all, and taking you know everybody in for hour long meetings is you know it's a, it's a thing of the past. You just you know people don't. First of all, I suppose our all of our attention spans have gone down so so much in in, in recent years that that just doesn't wash. It doesn't work, um, and all of the research would tell us that short and sharp and really to the point of a very specific feedback with them well prepared and slick is what is makes the most impact on on players but um it depends i suppose you know uh, fundamentally it comes down to the philosophy of the coach and how they want to feedback is it a dictatorial coach who will want to come in and tell people xyz bang the table this is what you want to do or is it a coach who is along the we are going to take you by the hand and let you get you know down a path but you're going to discover it by yourself that takes more time but it's in my experience is so much more effective and i suppose a practical example of that would be say maybe you know i remember working with um would have been dublin under 21s when gosh back in the liam rush would have been under 21 david tracy those guys and um they were playing seniors and they were also playing under 21 so we ne- we didn't have them for the seniors we, we didn't um they weren't available really for training time was very precious for those guys so um we would have put um clips up we i remember going in we were going to play wexford in the leinster final and we put clips up of of the wexford different types of play from wexford and we put up questions so we put it up on a private facebook page um this is all before gdpr not that it was <laughs> it was public data it would have been perfectly fine but um so up on a private facebook page so there was clips on cl- on puck outs and clips on attack and play or something like that but we put up questions and we we gave them like a a two-day window so the questions were about you know well what's the pattern of play here how do we impose our game on this and it's something else i can't remember what it was but the video session then turned into they they did it on their phones they did it wherever before they came they came to training they talked it through with the coaches okay what did you think of that so they had arrived at the solutions as to what 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 do we need to do now here so they're going to go this way with the ball off their puck out so we're going to this is how we're going to defend that or what we're going to do so they came with the plan and they went to training and they they practiced the plan that they had come up with so now it's very much about empowering players to do things like that. And there are shortcuts and there are ways to do that. So the more that you can encourage, you know, hold up the mirror for them or to, to hold up, no more so in if there's a pattern of play or something that you're not happy about with your own team, you know, so you, you get the backs together to look at the sequences, you know, so there might be five or six, there's no judgment in it. This is happening, boys or girls. Why is it happening? And what do we, how do we address it? So the manager or the coach becomes more of a facilitator. Completely. And mm. in your experience, do players mostly buy into that? Oh, they love it. Really? Oh, they love it. Absolutely. Always. That is my experience all down the line. That players love. I mean, they're they. You know. They have to care. Players care. 
if they don't care and they don't have an opinion, they shouldn't be there. What the, well, why are they training four nights a week if they don't care? They must, everybody needs to have an opinion. And that was, and that's sort of, it was one of the, you know, that is one of your key values within your team. It should be that everybody has to have an opinion. Everybody needs to, um, you know, own th the whole process or what's the point? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, because I think a lot of people's perception out there would be that people are brought into a room, they're shown some video, the manager says, here's the tactics board, this is what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. But you think it's we're going way past that? We should be. We should be. Okay. I'm not saying that we are. Um, you know, and, and I think that's a journey for coaches. I think initially, you know, you know, people think they're playing um like Sabudio and then they can just oh my god, I'm showing my age now. People don't even probably know what that is, but it's basically your tactics board where you can program your players to do X, Y, and Z. It doesn't happen like that. You know, you must you know, your players are on the line, uh, they're on the pitch. They have to see what's in front of them. They have to make the decisions. So you telling them, well, in this scenario, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that um, in reality. That will only take you so far. Um, you need to produce players who will play with their heads up and make decisions on the hoof. Um, and any, my experience is that the, you know, the, the best players, they all want, yes, they want a plan. And they want to know that the, any coach has done their homework and that they've done the research and they know what's coming. But players want to be involved in, in, in helping to shape that plan. And any time they have been is where the plan has, that's where I've seen the plan has been most effective. Okay, that's really, really interesting because I think most people would think it's sort of the old school way in terms of the tactic board and stuff like that. So that's really good to hear. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here now. You mentioned that there's a couple of techniques or tactics that you can do to maybe try and engage the players and get them involved in that sort of stuff. Could you give us maybe some examples? it's if, I guess knowing your players it's knowing who you're putting together into groups who you want to body up in terms of discussion um, some players need a one a one-on-one -on -one with a coach it's not necessarily the coach so you know in terms of working you know maybe you would have worked with um, obviously I did a long time with Anthony Daly but I also worked you know in, in rugby and would worked with Eric Elwood um, in terms of uh, Irish under 20s and the, in the rugby scenario they would have very much worked in the backs forwards and the backs are there and if you can create a scenario or the forwards as the case may be whereby people can call each other out and it, but again it's back to creating that environment where people are comfortable enough to be honest and say you know hands up yeah I should have been here or we should have been there or yeah next we're doing this again I need to make this run or I need to do that or I'm actually not deep enough or I'm not wide enough or yeah I should have passed that ball and I didn't or I held it so um the secret to making things like that effective are knowing your team knowing your players knowing who to put where with who uh, who's vocal who has really good opinions but is afraid to speak who is the empty vessel that just keeps making noise that actually you need to contain and uh, you know who's full of bluster and actually there's nothing you know and who really understands it and who doesn't who are your students of the game and who just wants to be told what to do yeah you just tell me where to run who to mark what to do and I'll do it and that's fine but you need to know all of your players and that's the whole I suppose that's the nuances and that's why you're your Liam Sheedy's and your those guys they, they they have to you have to know your players inside out and intimately you must know them um and I presume that this is not a, a like a quick fix process this is something that takes place over time yeah no and that's that's where your good coaches invest the time 
and you know people talk about you know what now the god of the team's gonna you know, they're going off to Lamanga or they're going off to you know um these training camps and all like that's actually where you really do get to know your players and um you know i suppose with dublin over the years uh, particularly we would have had some brilliant experiences down in the curra or climbing coke patrick or you know that's when you see people being exposed and in, uh, in different ways um and uh, yeah you really do get to see and that's the human end of things and it's the human end of coaching and those are the coaches that i've seen that have been most productive where, where really they coach the person first okay that's, that's good so basically get the players to do all the work if you can Yes and no, you need to have the work done. You need to kind of have an idea of where you're taking these guys and what you want because you know your tank's strengths and weaknesses. You know who's going to be on. You know where they're going to be. So you need, it's about leading your the players. Now they may come up with something completely different, but you need to lead, you know, you need to be guiding them as to, you, you need to have an idea of what, okay, we want to play this particular way and I want to pick the appropriate clips to pick everything to, to get the players to kind of see can they get there themselves and that that's really important so the guided discovery more so. guided discovery completely but you know joe smith doesn't go in with an open book and say how do you want to play boys you know he, they know exactly and it's interesting the sex doesn't have a conversation where they had a they were, i think an hour and a half argument one day about a point of something you know in a match or in a, in a team meeting you know everybody else i think was asleep <laughs> but um but they would talk about you know where there's that's that's your piece the decision maker on the pitch and they have that discussion and it was obviously an environment where Sexton's comfortable enough to challenge Smith and, and what, I mean they agreed to whatever after it but those are the environments you need to create where it's actually and sometimes when you have video sessions or discussions actually the video is completely secondary it doesn't really matter what you show it's about putting people in a room and discussing and actually giving people a forum to discuss and some coaches can be really afraid of that okay so you brought up coaches and I know we talked a lot about players so Bringing it back to the sort of the analyst uh, mm-hmm. role, yeah. Maybe talk us through what type of things you can offer a coach and a manager in terms of, I suppose, the traditional stuff, but then maybe how you bring that on and in, in, in terms of what is more cutting edge, if that makes sense. Okay, so I suppose what would the first thing any analyst should be doing um, is looking doing uh, what we would call a needs analysis with the coach. So and the the the, that, the number the one one on that is what is the coach's philosophy of play. Not only his philosophy of play or her philosophy of play, but what is their philosophy then around empowerment and feedback? So if I was with a coach that wanted all this information, but they weren't prepared to actually give it to the players, I, I, I couldn't be part of that setup. This is pointless. What, you know, there's, you know, it's all about, you know, a control freaky kind of coach. So no, I think uh, you want to be working with somebody who has a good philosophy as to, and they can see exactly where analysis is going to fit in. Um, so you want your analyst to sort of talk through that. The next thing you do with your analyst is you figure out what are you going to measure. So if your philosophy of play is around work rate, how are you going to measure that? You know, what, what, wh- wh- what is an adequate measure of work rate? Yeah, you can look at your balls one, but if you're, you know, and what does work rate mean for different players on the pitch? So it might, for a corner forward, work rate can be very different to what it would be for a wing back. So for a corner forward, for me, work rate is looking at runs. How many runs are they making? Um, in a game and you know how many balls are they winning then out of those runs and you know are they keeping making the runs even though the ball's not coming um uh wing back then you're looking at something very different so you want them making runs but they're different kind of runs you need them covering back and so on that's not easy stuff to measure it's not easy stuff to measure. nobody likes counting that stuff you know we all like counting kickouts and we all like counting uh, you know the shots and that's the sander stuff to count 
But the question is, if your philosophy of play is built around, you know, playing, say, maybe three players in the forward line and everybody else working a high-work-rate high game to get up and support them, you know, your measures aren't telling you whether you're successful or not at all. And sometimes what you're measuring as well, like interesting scenario and one team where we, we were playing um we were, we were getting pulverized on puck outs so we wanted to play um play an extra man in the middle to win more puck outs and we won more pockets we won we won 55 percent or 60 percent of puck outs in that game it's absolutely brilliant but we didn't score <laughs> we'd be nobody up front so your your measurements need to be um you know to encapsulate the whole game so while you might be successful at something actually you know it, it's it's taken away from something else and is that a danger if you put a focus on a measurement completely. and the players know that you could overemphasize it completely completely so you need to look at the cause and cause and effect so by doing this yeah we'll win more pockets but actually is that the desired effect because we're going to end up we're not, we know we've no firepower we're going to be putting the ball and there's nobody in there so you know what is you know not, not unlike Kerry last weekend when they pushed up so high on Cluxton and in the All-Ireland final and really really put massive pressure on his his kick out but to do that they, they were massively exposed at the back and it did cost them uh, scores but but the question being had they allowed him get those pockets would that have cost them more because we know that winning, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it's a kind of a, it's a real conundrum, and that. It, but that's a down to your coaching philosophy. What are we going after? Are we going to play as a team? Are we going to sit back and let let players take the ball and, you know, do that, or are we going to uh, you know contest everything? Um, and based on your philosophy of play, your analysts should be able to come up with a set of measures. After you've got your set of measures, you need to be able to define them, and you need to bring your players into that. So if I'm coming in now to say, well, Stephen, you know, you, you, you know, you had four missed tackles and you made five tackles, which was great because obviously we always need to balance that. You made five tackles and you missed four. So what do you call them? But what, you know, no, I didn't. What do you call a missed tackle here? And that's where your video comes in. So the definition and, and players need to be involved in that. They really need to buy in and they need to trust that you or the analyst or whoever's taken the data is, uh, is fair and accurate and unbiased and that it is systematic and it is going to be the, the real deal. So that's really important. Um, you want your analyst, I suppose, then how do we push the boat out beyond it? Yeah, you want them to take, you want them to take the data and, and find meaning in it. You know, I think a lot of the analysis process breaks down when, when the coaches get a fancy Excel sheet with a pile of lovely pictures on it, but they've absolutely no idea what to do with it or what is the meaning from it. So I think that is really where analysts will add value uh, is, is, is being able to provide the insights. So yes, we played this, we won more puck outs, but look at what happened. You know, we put 10 balls into the full forward line and we actually only won two of them because there was nobody there. So, you know, you need to be able to, an analyst needs to be able to sort of also challenge wh what are we measuring? Are we measuring the right stuff? Um, and what, what could we change? Um, so we would like, I would like an analyst to be given insight is to try and get the nuggets. What is the one or two things that we can go and work on here or, or whatever? And then I suppose the, the big asset of having an analyst, if you have one, is that they can help, you know, they take, the, they put the time and effort into feedback because it is, it's so, so time consuming. So for example, if you're, you know, maybe with a, you know, a minor squad or you're with ever and you're preparing, you know, we talk about feedback for individuals. I like the idea of a match clip so Stephen, you've played a game. Here you go. Here's your clip. Here's your game clip. 
this isn't your good bits or your bad bits because we don't use the word bad. Language is really important. Here's your game. So it's just chronologically, every, every touch, it's, it's just only going to be a minute, minute and a half or two minutes tops. But you're now able to go away. And I, so, so Stephen, did you look at your game? What do you think? You know, and you'll get the players that came back. Oh, I was deadly. I was brilliant. Oh, gee, you know, I'm fab. And and then you're able to say, okay, well, mm, I wasn't so sure about your kicking or, well, you know, you didn't use your left foot or you're, you're not striking off your, your weak hand. What, what, what do you think you can work on or something like that? Or you have the player who will come in, oh, did you see that ball give away at all? And they can say, we scored a goal and we got beaten. It was all my fault. And then you're able to sort of temper that with, well, actually, you know, you did X, Y, and Z. I'm really impressed with your with your um, tackling. Um, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's really, um, so that idea, but, but to, to the time it takes to cut that up and to do that. And that's where your, I suppose, your software systems are, are really coming into their own and being able to just press a button and there it is. And, and now it's on your phone and you're able to have a look on it and the coach is able to to be able to um, make some comments on it. So you're, or ask you a question, Stephen, you know, I want you to have a look at um, just how maybe you were playing from the front or you know you were playing side by side or is this the best thing so the big question of the week is is, is johnny cooper going to be marking david clifford again if he is where does he does he play him from the front does he play side by side what does he do with him you know so and those are the questions that you that you have to look at um i suppose and that's where your video might help you with with that but again you're talking about a guided discovery as in letting le- leading them down the path to sort of hope that they come to the conclusion you want them to yeah which is why I suppose that's where the coach needs to be the analyst, that you need to have maybe one or two solutions in your head. So when the player comes back to you, and again, it's the bang in the table to give out about fouling. You know, yeah, we're far too many fouls. This is ridiculous at halftime. You know, oh, we're fouling away. You know, you're the coach. Fix it. Why are we fouling? You know, there's far too much ball going in. Or what? what's going on? Are you going to take off your corner back? Because he's got roasted, you know, so you might be doing stats on your corner back and he's won two out of ten balls. So what do you take him off? But what if he's marking David Clifford? And actually that's not a bad return. And the reason he's only won two out of ten balls is because the, the midfield aren't doing their job and they're not stop, they're stopping the ball coming in. So you need the holistic picture, <laughs> I suppose, is that. But again, the, the purpose of an analyst, I suppose, or the role of an analyst is to cut the clips for you and to have that. But again, you know, and, and that is where the trust comes in between a coach and an analyst that you would trust. You know, I suppose in my role, I would have had that level of trust where the coach would trust me to put to pick the right clips. The game clip is lovely because there's no judgment there. I just pull your game clip. That's it. Everything's there. There's no judgment and there's no right or wrong or good or bad or anything like that. Um, but I like the idea. Uh, or y- your analyst needs to, you need to be able to trust your analyst to pull the clips that, that you're, because a lot of coaches just don't have time to go through it. Okay. This is all brilliant stuff. Now, I'm thinking I'm the under... 18 coach down in my local club and I don't have a video analyst I don't have the resources and stuff like that can we dial it back a little bit and can you maybe give us some tips that any coach could bring in for different age groups and stuff like that Okay. well if you're starting from complete scratch and every um, again every coach should be an analyst the point of analysis is to give you as complete a picture as possible with the resources that you have okay so Every minor match, every minor match has mommies, has daddies, has subs, has whatever. So from the most simple perspective, I would start with a page whereby down one first column is the time. The next column is my team. The next column is the opposition. So I, you know, at time one minute, we have a point. At two minutes, they have a wide. At three minutes, they have a whatever. So you're just recording the scores. 
okay, on the wides and the shots that were maybe blocked or whatever. So simple as that, the scores, the wides and shots. Okay, with that piece of paper, you will now start to see the windows of maybe there's a five or ten minute gap where we, we didn't even get a shot on. So now as, as a coach, why? Okay, why, why did it? No, so it allows you reflect. So we talk about holding up a mirror. That That's the mirror of the game. So you're now able to reflect back, why did we not get a shot on for that 10 minutes? Or, you know, gosh, you know, every time they scored, what did we do? Uh, how do we respond when they score or when our opponents are scoring? You're also able to get your shot count um, and what you scored. So now we know we had, you know, we maybe had 30 shots and we had only 10 scores. Gee, that's low. Uh, you know, and, and what does good look like? So over three and four and five games, the games you played really well, well we, we know we're really good when we're hitting 50% of those. Um, and we're keeping our opposition to 40%. So that is a simple, you can do it in the back of an envelope. You know, as simple as that, just to start. So you now you have your shot efficiency, you have a shot count. You can also know how many blocks you're getting in or how many wides you're scoring, you know. So there's a whole lot. I mean, if you put, if you go, go bad totally altogether, you could draw a pitch and you could you could put an X where the shot came from. And who, you could put the who of that in. So now I know that my number 10 has had four shots. I know I know, and I know that my number 15 is shooting way out of range. I now know that. So there's a, there's, there's a huge wealth of information that you can take directly into your next training session to work on. That, gosh, we need to work on this. Or, um, you know, and, and by the same token, if you wanted, you could do that for kickouts or your puckouts to look and see we're winning this, you know, um, and that's actually is a nice thing that you would look at. So, yeah, you might win the first phase ball of a puck out, but are you winning the next phase? So that's a nice one to look at, to look at, you know, okay, so here's my puck out. Um, it went, maybe did it go long, short, whatever. Who won it? And did we did we hold on to the ball in the next phase? Because sometimes you can get a, a, an overinflated idea of, of your puck outs that you think we're doing really well, but actually, so... You know, if you look at the, the way football has evolved, that there's plenty of teams that say, "Yeah, take your puck out or take your take your kick out, no bother. We'll strip you. You're not going to get past midfield." So actually, winning your pocket isn't or your kick out is really no advantage. You're far better kicking it long and taking your chances on something different. So that's that. That's some. So I, I don't know if that sounds very complicated for people, but you know, from a simplistic, from a simple one-on-one, -on -one, that's where you should be. No, I think that's out. really really interesting. Really simple tools that people can use, mm. and ideally have someone that's there to be able to do that for them mm -hmm. a parent as you said or a sub or someone yeah. who's injured or something mm -hmm. um so that's helping the coach or the or the manager mm -hmm. how then do we help the individual kid maybe who's under 16 under 17 under 18 where we don't have the video and stuff like that mm. how can we help them get a picture in their head of what they should or shouldn't be doing i would look at modeling around that um i certainly would so if you have a have a, a young fella down at Nafena who's you know under fifteen and he you think he's going to be the next big thing you know and he's a corner forward, you need to send him into Croke Park with a pen and a paper or send him into Parnell of the league. No, you send him in with a pen and paper to look at Paul Mannion or look at some of them boys and say how many runs do they make? So they might make fifteen runs. I, talk, I think I said this earlier. And then how many balls do they get? And what are they doing? What are they doing off the ball? What are, like look at Jack McCaffrey? What's he doing off the ball? Uh, you know, I, he was in front of me last year in the All Ireland final. Oh, Tyrone, unfortunately, didn't equip themselves usually, but um, I couldn't just to watch him literally. How many times he was on his own on the sideline as an out ball for Cluxton. You know the way he plays. So even you don't have, if you can equip a kid to be able to analyse um, 
first of all, somebody who they admire. So you want to be the next Paul Mannion, go watch Paul Mannion or the next Dean Rock or whoever it's going to be. Go watch them. What do they do? Where Put an X as to where they turn up. Where do they get the ball? Where does Kieran Kikenna get the ball? If you map that out, it's a very interesting map. Um, you know, and in different games, how Gavin deploys them to different ways. Um, you know, or if you want to be, you know, if you're going to be the next goalkeeper, what do we do? And that's nice. Or, you know, even just uh, say if it's in a club, let them go and look at it for the club senior team. You know, and, and model that, and then get somebody to do it for them. Get the mum to do the same thing, or their dad, or the brother, or somebody would do it for them when they're playing. Just the simple tally of how many times you got the ball, whatever. Like funny, Donald McAnallan's book is a is a really good read about Cormac and his journey. But Cormac, from he was a very young player, rated every game uh, out of ten how he did in in his physical performance, his technical performance, and and all of that for each game. You know, and it's it's no accident that he turned out to be the player he was, you know. So we need to, I suppose, empower and give kids the skills to be analytical. Give them that 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 whole, um, uh, show them how to do what the process is. You know, um, take them off or get them analysing each other or getting, if you have a sub, a young kid, you know, and, and why, why am I not getting on? Right, I want you to watch such and a one, this guy today. And see, because that's what you need to be doing, or look at the way he does this, or look at the way he does that. So I think modeling is, is a really interesting way, but actually getting kids with a pen and paper looking, um, or you know, giving them homework, go watch the All Ireland final, pick a player and tell me, map where he goes, tell me what he's done. Or or she, you know, if you took last week's Camogie final, it was phenomenal. Um, you know, if you could pick out, you know, why was Neve Kilkenny so good? Set that homework to your under fourteens. You know, what did she do? What was it? you know and uh, let them come up with the ideas and whatever you know so yeah that, that's oh, I think that's really interesting it goes back to your first point about getting the five or six year old to look at someone else doing the scale it's modeling it runs just the same way through it's just bringing it to a higher level I think and mm-hmm. I think both of those things that you mentioned are really really useful tools for any coach to be able mm-hmm. to employ I want to change tack a little bit okay. because you mentioned you were involved with uh, inter-county hurling teams and rugby and stuff like that you were also involved with individual sports, yeah. and I'm curious on the difference between maybe both the anal- the analyze the analyst side of it, but also in terms of the feedback uh, giving to a team environment versus the one on one and stuff like that. I suppose yeah, I was very lucky to be involved with a couple of people who I would consider just phenomenal coaches. Um, so very early on in the sports institute, we had this amazing young kid. Uh, from Derry, who has turned into be a complete superstar, Jason Smith, the uh, Paralympian. Um, and uh, his coach at the time, Stephen Maguire, has gone on. He's, he's a GB Sprints coach, I think, at the minute. But he's coaching in Scotland now. But um, to look at how he operated and um, to look at, at, at Jason's journey as a young athlete, I think he might have been 14, 15 at that stage, you know, and to come through now to be, you know, whatever, is he triple Paralympic champion or whatever. But... Um, the journey is an interesting one so the feedback would have been plentiful as a younger uh, as a younger athlete so you're looking at a video um and again the co- the questions the coaches used they i suppose i privileged to work with elite coaches and they the questions they asked were brilliant because they led the player to get to the point of they got they were able to figure out the answers um, and, and similar with um i worked with, with Derville O'Rourke and, and Sean and Terry Cahill um Hurdle coaches, phenomenal coaches. And and to see at that Dur- Durville would have been at the peak of her career. So she was the fully mature Olympic athlete. 
and the feedback was so minimal absolutely minimal and and um so basically and it but it was so specific and and pointed um so for example if she was a uh, member running indoors we were doing just a training session and um so we had timing gates up and we had different things we were able to say that you know she was slower we the coach knew that she would have might have been slower sorry between five and six hurdle five and six and he watched back okay so his thing then was to her you know for the next one so she's way might take 20 minutes and that's the whole thing of athletics so you're coaching i would go to athletics i might be there all day and come home with about tw- two full minutes of video because <laughs> do you know because i'm doing a 10 second run so um so she's having quite a bit of a rest before she's out for the next rep and uh, so basically all he's saying to her in that rest is okay between five and six i want you to really push your hips forward that's it he's not he didn't even give her a time because it was early in the year um you know and so therefore she didn't she would have been hung up on the time because I remember saying to him, do you want, do, he was like, no, 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 she can't see the times here because she'll get hung up on the fact that her times aren't great. But it was the times relative to each other. So he was able to see her, you know, one to two was good, three to four was good and so on. But four to five was slower than the others. So it was about relativity that day and to say, yeah, we need to, we need to push it out and it's the hips so, it's, so whatever it happened to be that day. So from an elite coach point of view, the feedback is much, much less. Uh, but specific and on the money and that is what all of the research would tell you that this is what the top athletes want they want specific feedback they don't want the brilliant stuff deadly job stuff they want yeah this was good because this you really got your knee up there you really got whatever done there so that was um yeah a f- brilliant exposure to those to those people and to see and it's funny as an analyst your role there basically is to melt into the wall I think that's your analyst, that's your role pretty much anywhere in any dressing room. But yeah, you're, you're just there to press buttons and make sure everything goes, you know, to, to plan in that way, you know. Okay. Um, we've gone through individuals, we've gone through kids, we've gone through coaches, players. Uh, we've got some fantastic stuff from you that coaches can use. Where do you see performance analysis going in the future? Oh, it's funny, you know, it's talk about the, the half-life of knowledge in anything. Uh, the half-life of knowledge and analysis is terrifying because the technology just moves so quickly. Uh, you know, if you're out of the game for any length of time, there's a whole new world of everything. You know, we now have cameras installed, uh, you know, in pitches that you can just plug into your computer and you can remote, remotely access um, thing, uh, everything. So I suppose, where would I like to go um, within the GEA? Um, we would love to see cameras installed on all the grounds, front and side um, views, that, that we could be able to come in, you could plug in, that all the coaches would be able to get it, and it creates that level playing field for everybody. I'd love to see a central portal where everybody would share their data, there would be shared data, shared video, that, that, that analysts could analyse, as opposed to spending hours coding. That we would get our analysts really creating the insights and the meaning from multiple because I suppose that's one thing maybe I didn't talk about what what you'd hope from an analyst is that that they would be able to collect multiples of data and and be able to start to see the patterns and to start to see that so I think that's the future um in terms of be able to create bigger data sets and be able to kind of I suppose get meaning and create far more meaning um from uh rather than just kind of going into the one to two games and you know you're uh, scrambling to try and find footage and you're scrambling for this and everything just seems to be you know on the back foot so i'd love to see analysts um empowered i suppose to that we would have um 
much more culture of where everything's the, the video is available the data is available and it's a matter of sharing it out and, and finding meaning from it um, I think one of the key things I suppose I've been involved with for the last um, four years with with Croke Park and Pat Daly and David Sweeney in terms of developing um, an accreditation pathway for analysts um, so we now have 120 odd analysts accredited um, and what we've done I suppose no more than accrediting people and, and that process but we've created a, a brilliant community of practice of um, people uh, and a culture within that of sharing and a culture so sharing your knowledge and I think I think we're all comfortable in the knowledge that really it doesn't matter it's not about the data it's about what you do with it and can your coach get the right message with it so it doesn't really matter that we're all we've all the same stuff we're all collecting the same stuff and it's about meaning and insight and and it's about what you do with it in the training pitch before you go to play so um so yeah i think the accreditation and, and that idea of a community of analysts and sharing and and that to me that's the future so i think the role of an analyst will change we now have automated software that can find the ball uh in a match and can tell you whether it was a goal and 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 you know that ought that is coming so I think that that role of an analyst and sitting just logging the, the boring data collection stuff um, will be massively reduced. There obviously is, you know, you must check the validity and reliability of that, but I think that will be reduced. Um, and I think or we should have analysts analyzing more and creating insight and much more time then around feedback and facilitating feedback and being able to follow up with feedback. And, that's stuff that you don't have time for if you spend the first three days of a week just scrambling together the data, you know. So if you have the data on a Sunday evening and you're ready to go Monday to, to analyse and create meaning and do feedback, that, that's a totally different game than, than starting to gather data, you know. Okay. And for anyone listening to this, that sounds this that sounds fantastic. I want to get into performance analysis myself. Uh, where can they find details for these courses and stuff like that? Uh, so the GA actually the portal the website has all the details around accreditation so anybody so you obviously have to be um, working in analysis at some level I mean level one accreditation is basically for somebody holding a camera um, so if that's what you've been doing um, then you, you if you've been doing it for a, t for a while you'd be able to go in there um, we do expect people to have done some sort of an introduction to performance analysis course or a workshop um, which are hard to find and I think that's the other big piece we need to do we need to really roll out more formal education for this I think we're, we're light years behind where we need to be in terms of the demand but also there's probably a massive piece around educating coaches as to what analysts actually do and to why why you might use an analyst why an analyst would be of value to you um, and so on so there's a piece around that but for new analysts comment yeah the first first protocol is look on the, the GA website and, and just look around to see what courses there are quite a few Rob Carroll's website's excellent the video analyst website um, but there are lots and lots of different um, options out there for people um, trying to get involved in analysis okay that leads us on we, we go into three questions at the end of every podcast you'll be dying to get out of here <laughs> um, so I'll start with that one uh, what's the best book resources and stuff like that that you'd recommend to coaches listening so oh, it's funny now I'm I'm back coaching myself finally after an, a number of years of a siesta I, I'm at a very tough job of coaching with the under six girls in, in Eru and Balashanan at my, my new club but um, so I've been really challenged to go back to the, the you know coaching 101 and figure out that but the person that has made the biggest impression of me and that I'm really taken with is, is Nick Winkleman in the IRFU um, he basically has his, his 
his area of expertise is around skill acquisition and motor learning. He has um, an awful lot of resources and PowerPoints and stuff like that up on his LinkedIn. Um, and he, he looks particularly at queuing and about why language is so important in terms of not only how we coach, but in terms of feedback. And this for analysts is really, really important um, uh, because language is key. If you're presenting a piece of feedback to somebody and um, you know here's, here's all your bad stuff, immediately people are threatened. And when people are threatened, they will not learn. So it's the language of, of your feedback is <laughs> just, I could not overemphasize. You know, we don't use it. We don't use the words like failed attacks. We use unsuccessful, nice fluffy words that are not threatening. So the book is called The Language of Coaching. It's probably the first book you've ever had on your podcast that's actually not published yet. It's coming out in March um, 2020. But uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. But I love his thinking and I love, um, might agree with all of it, but it's, it's very challenging, both as a coach and as an analyst. And I think, um, yeah, that's what I would be looking at at the minute. That's my current. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. A, a book not even coming out till next year. Denise, is that far ahead of the curve? I want to know about that. Um, what does the term successful coach mean to you? I said probably comes through with what I've talked about earlier. I think a successful coach is somebody who can create an environment and a culture where people are comfortable and confident enough to challenge themselves and to challenge each other uh, to, to try and achieve excellence or to try and be the best they can be. And that is not an easy thing to do. Um, but it's all about culture and it's all about creating an environment where it's okay to call people out. It's okay to challenge. And people expect that that level, uh, that, that standard where you're going to be called out. I have to be on my ball in the game all the time. Um, I remember with the, um, uh, one of the teams that I worked with um, were the Irish under 20s that won, they won the Grand Slam. It would have been Cian Healy's team and um, Sean O'Brien and those guys. But they, this guy, David Pollock, was the captain and he was studying to be a doctor. So he didn't come into camp until late in the week. But when he came into camp on a Thursday, it was like the whole culture went up. The, the captain's run. You don't drop a ball or you would, you know, the, 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 the fact that this guy just brought such stature and such um, standards uh, with him that it really, really set the tone for everybody else. And if you can create that culture of excellence, then you're on to something as very difficult to create. But when you do, it's it's a phenomenal it's phenomenal to be part of because it brings it challenges everybody. I have to be the best analyst. I have to be whatever I can be. Um, and yeah, the shout out to David Pollock got injured and was the, the probably the best guy never to captain Ireland in the future. But um, yeah, it was it was big loss to rugby that he didn't didn't continue. Okay, okay, and the last question. Okay, what's up? what are your top tips for developing coaches? Wow. So yeah, I suppose. Uh, every coach is an analyst, so I would suggest if you want to be, you know, the best coach you can be, you need to hone your analysis skills, and that is so. If you're say the under twelve or fourteen coach or whatever, or you're the junior B coach, volunteer yourself to go and analyze, uh, you know, with the seniors. Once you're not threatening anybody that they think you're taking their job, people will welcome you with open arms. Go in there, take your pen and paper, do the analysis stuff, try and find some meaning, but learn the process of observation that will massively enhance your observation skills then learn the process of trying to create some meaning out of numbers and out of, of what you're seeing 
why are these patterns of play why is this breaking down why is this and if you you know if you can train yourself to become good a good observer and a good analyst and the other thing you'll see then is how do I feed this back uh, so you'll train that in a low stakes environment because you're the analyst you're not the head coach so when you become the head coach you've made those mistakes you've learned from them so what I would suggest to anybody who wants to develop as a coach go develop uh, as an analyst go and become you know you might have no intentions of doing analysis and it's tedious and it's hard and it's thankless and it's tough and those things but you will learn so much that you'll be able to bring into your coaching career and in for in, in hockey actually it's a real uh, it's the done thing in hockey that when they're grooming people to be international coaches they put them in as an analyst for a year or two you know because what what you learn um, so that's what I would say go earn your stripes as an analyst um, and, and develop yourself in that way because when you've come to be a coach um, your skill set in that department is so much better um, plus you might appreciate what the work your analyst does that, that'll, be, that'll be a plus for everybody the, the thankless job <laughs> Uh, listen Denise you've been brilliant with your time really want to thank you for coming in uh, I think anyone listening has got a huge amount there um, I know we talked about performance analysis but everything you said was related back to coaching we talked about every coach having those observation skills that guided discovery both for individual skills and game management and how we feed back that to the players and facilitating that environment that allows that right through to coaching philosophy reflective practice and, and using it as a tool for your training and then your style of play uh, loads to think about for anyone listening and thanks very much thanks for listening to the coaching bubble and I hope you learned something to help you with your own coaching please follow us on twitter at bubble coaching where we will put any books or resources mentioned on the show up on the page you can now subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and soundcloud and feel free to get in touch with any feedback we'd love to hear from you as always the show is produced by Niall Williams and the coach education centre of the Camogie Association thanks for listening